This episode of Open Micers Podcast is brought to you by that dirty motherfucker, DJ DeBlow. He knows exactly what he did. He would have started his own podcast, but he's too chicken shit. This podcast is also brought to you by Mr. Mike Evelyn. If you like open micers but think Jay is too good looking, go check out the Gesture Sport podcast hosted by Jay's fat twin, Mike Evelyn, found wherever podcasts are given away for free. If you have some time to waste and want to encourage fat people to sit around and watch shitty horror movies, check out Innsmouth Rag, hosted by Mike and Jen, because nothing spells midlife white people like frivolous podcasts. And this podcast is also brought to you by J.N. Reynolds, who said for us to roast him. So I will say that J.N. looks like the kind of person who buys rotisserie hot dogs from the (laughs) 7-Eleven. Gross. It's another episode of Open Micros Podcast. And before we start the show, we have to give a shout out to Mr. Derek Diamond and Miss Kathy Gutierrez Figueroa. Thank you so much for subscribing to our Patreon. And if you want to be as cool as them, go to www.openmicros.com. Let's play some music. Wednesday night, and it is time for the Open Micers Podcast. My name is Jason Robbins. I'm Jacob Craig, and I'm very excited for our guest tonight, as is Jason Robbins, I know for a fact. (laughs) Uh, Few things bring me as much joy as a podcast host than when I book a guest that Jason is shitting his pants over, and that's who (laughs) this is tonight, because we have comedian, author, political satirist, uh, someone you might know from the Political Orphanage podcast, among many, many other things. It's Andrew Heaton. Thank Hello. you so much. Thanks for having Thank me on. I'm, I'm delighted to hear that I'm summoning such body, uh, <laughs> bodily elements from the two of you. I, I, I shoot for either voiding bowels or getting an erection. And I'm glad to hear that, that at least one yeah. of you's had this uh, with me coming on. Well, I'm, right. I'm- I- Become such one a of huge, each so far. Yeah, I've become such a huge fan of yours over the, the last probably six months or so, because I, I st- followed you uh, back in the days of like Night Attack and stuff like that. Oh, wow. And okay, yeah. I used to hear you on there all the time, and I'm like, man, this guy's really sharp and funny. And, and then you, I, I heard you had, you know, you, I, you were on, um, I think it might have been Politics, 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 talking oh, yeah. about I'm, the political I'm orphanage. good friends with Justin Robert Young. We're, yeah. we're, we're podcasting allies slash lovers. <laughs> we're, we're, we're basically like common law married within podcast world. And yeah. he'll come on my show and I'll come. Justin's a great guy. He's a I got to guy. talk to him a few years ago on one of my older uh, other podcasts I used to do. So that's kind of how I met him. And uh, but yeah, ever since I started following you, uh, you know, I'm been trying to to follow everything you do i'm I'm gonna start getting your books and all that i haven't gotten any of your books yet but i do enjoy your uh dramatic readings of your uh some of your humor stuff that you've put out there yeah i well i did uh los angeles is hideous poems about an ugly (laughs) story uh, about maybe eight months ago now and it got to number one on poetry uh on amazon which means that Weirdly enough, at this point in my life, I am a more lauded poet than I am comedian or lover. I had not anticipated that being where I would be in my my high 30s, but whatever, I'll take it. That's fine. I guess I'm a great poet. But you've had such an interesting uh, career. I mean, you started out, you're, you're from Oklahoma, um, and you went to Oxford, not not Oxford, Mississippi, but Oxford yeah, in England. The, pre- the pretentious one. Yes. The one that's cold. I went there, yeah. And uh, um, t- tell us 
from that point on, what, what, what you've been up to? Uh, so I did, uh, I, as you, as you point out, I'm from Oklahoma. I went I, and I graduated from college there. I didn't leave Oklahoma until I was 23. Uh, and then I, then I went over to the United Kingdom. I, I studied Bracenose College in Oxford. Uh, and, uh, and then I ended up becoming a tour guide in Edinburgh, um, in Scotland, which, which sounds weird to people until you realize like my, my undergraduate was in history. And also the second Scots get a job as a tour guide, they moved to, to, to Spain. They don't want to be in Scotland. So yeah. I was like the best thing. I was the closest thing to a good Scottish tour guide you could get. So I, I did that. Uh, I ended up, um, I, I went back from there uh, to Los Angeles, where I lived in a tool shed behind my best friend's house and <laughs> made ends meet by being a background actor or, an, or commonly known as an extra. So it was my job to be the blurry figure at the back of the room, yeah, I learned to drink it's, something. It's, it's it's not easy to make a living as a as an extra or background actor. I so. <laughs> I have no desire to ever do that again. Yeah, it was, I I did it maybe two or three times, and uh, I was like, yeah, I'm done with. It. I don't want to do yeah, this. It's, it's not glamorous it's, it's at all. Really fun as a novelty. If if you like, if you like, you want to see what it's like being on set, and you want to see how TV works. It's really cool because you get to you get to be on the inside. That's fun. But keep in mind, you are well beneath like porn level yeah. in terms of status in Los Angeles, like whatever the lowest, like Bukaki level porn is, you are a couple of notches below that. And, and you were treated that way. Like the last time I did it, I was so Cause like, cause like, like having done it several times, you learn pretty quick that like, first of all, try to, if you're, if, if somebody gets to sit on a bench, be that guy, because yeah. that means that you could just sit there. You don't have to walk all the time and then like bring a book. Like if, if you're like, can I, could my character read a book? They're like, couldn't care less. Great. Cause then you're just getting paid to read a book. So like uh, when I would go on set, I'd bring a backpack with me with a book and like maybe some snacks in it. And, things. and the last time I did it, I was, I was walking to a place and somebody was like, Hey, you asshole, why do you have a backpack? And I was like, I don't, I just thought maybe like go put it in the fucking extra room. And I was like, all right. So I started walking back that way. And then another guy's like, Hey, dumb fuck, where are you going? And I was like, I'm going to put this, this backpack with, and like, they kept yelling at me. And I was like, you know what? You guys are paying me like $200 a day. And if I scream cut in the middle of your scene, it's going to fuck up everything for all of you. So like you were rapidly get like, I'm not ever going to do this professionally. I'm not trying to get a SAG card. So like, if you keep being such assholes, I can definitely, I, I know I can cost you more than the $200 I will deprive myself. <laughs> For sure. I think it'd be about $20,000. And like extras don't realize that they actually have a lot of power to screw things up. And they should when people are being dicks to them. Because, you know, yeah. there's no reason for that. There's no reason for that. It's always the kind of the low status people that are frustrated. They want to take it out of the one group they can take it out on. Civilization is predicated on suppressing that urge to be an asshole. Yeah, because the few times I've done the whole background actor thing, it is just it's a whole lot of hurry up. and. Mm -hmm. Sit here in the out in the sun for like yeah. eight straight hours, uh, yeah. and uh, you oh snacks? No, it's not snack time. You're gonna have to sit here in the freaking sun. Oh, you want to sit down? There's there's some nice concrete over there for you to yeah. sit on. And 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 again, like the people at the bottom rung, like they, I, I assume they're being mistreated by the people at the middle and the top. Although I rarely interact. Uh, yeah, everybody kind of mistreats the person directly yeah, below them. So <laughs> the extras are like the only group everyone's allowed to be mean to. So yeah. I, I remember I was on this one show where like, it was like, Hey, we're doing a lunch break. And I was like, Oh, good lunch break. So I, I wandered over to like the little crappy cafeteria thing with macaroni or whatever the, the craft services. And I'm just like put macaroni on my plate and, uh, and mashed potatoes. 
and I hear this guy go, get your filthy paws off the food. And like, I literally couldn't even interpret it. I was like, somebody just put their hands in the food. Like they should use a spoon like me. So I didn't flinch. And as a result, everybody thought I was supposed to be there. <laughs> it was nice to me. But then later I was like, oh, they were just like, yeah, uh, I, uh, never again, never again. Yeah, I, I completely get that. Like, I, I'm I'm right there with you because <laughs> I, I, I never want to do that again, ever. Yeah. So I, I did that for a little bit. Uh, didn't like Los Angeles. Um, ended up uh, doing a complete about face. And I went to go work for the United States Congress. I worked for a couple of members from Congress, one from Oklahoma, one from Pennsylvania. And while I was there, I got a scholarship to go to the University of Edinburgh, where I used to live and get a degree in international politics. So uh, I, I did all of that, but I was doing stand-up at night. So I was a, a public servant during the day and mostly got yelled at by old people, uh, which is what you do when you're doing uh, constituent liaison positions. And, uh, and then I do stand-up in the evening. And then when I went to, uh, back to Edinburgh, uh, kind of the same thing. I was reading about IR theory and political economy and all this stuff. And then at night, uh, I was the designated comedian at Saturnalia Cabaret, uh, which I think was probably the apex of my comedy career because it, I, I went up as a comedian after the girl who took her clothes off, but before the guy that ate light bulbs. And I was like, this seems like a good fit for me. I feel like this is where I ought to be. Uh, and uh, did that and then moved back to the States uh, and um, ended up moving to New York where I became a television writer, um, kind of didn't even plan to do it, but uh, there was a show called The Independence, which was starting up with uh, Kennedy and Matt Welch and Camille Foster. And uh, they, had, they had heard rumors there was a guy in New York who liked Milton Friedman and was funny. And they decided that they wanted me to have, be that guy. Um, so I ended up being a television writer for uh, four years, maybe five years. I don't know, three to five years. I don't really remember. Uh, and then uh, ended up moving to Austin, Texas. And I'm, I'm down here now. And I've been a, a full-time podcaster about three years. I host a show called The Political Orphanage, mm -hmm. which is an engaging, oftentimes funny podcast for people that are tired of the red team versus blue team thing. So, if and that's what, of, what really drew me to it, you know, because I, I was listening to Justin Robert Young, politics, 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 or PX3, as mm -hmm. everybody calls it. And you both of you guys kind of because uh, I, I was looking for something like I'm not red team. I'm not blue team. Yeah. Like I was looking for something and I found you guys. And you make me feel calm <laughs> about everything going on in the world right now. Which, which sadly, I have to say, I think is needed, but yes. not lucrative. I think people actually need that. It doesn't make like, if, if, if I were to rename my show Drinking Liberal Tears, yeah. or, or better, Drinking Libtard Tears with Andrew Heaton, I would immediately triple my income. Or alternately, if it were called uh, Fight the Southern Bigots with Andrew Heaton, or mm -hmm. so, as long as I picked a team to hate. And I was all I was doing is reporting, and every episode was basically they're even worse than you thought. That that makes a lot of money. It's really easy to attract people. What I find though is there are all these kind of scattered, nuanced, independent thinkers that there's no way for me to put up a bat signal for them. But when they do find me, they're so relieved. Yeah, uh, it's like they've been out <laughs> in like a really hot day, and they come into air conditioning, and they're like, "Oh, thank God, this is what I wanted." That's exactly it. Like I, I don't know if you got to to dabble in a little bit, Jacob, but uh, definitely check out the uh, the political orphanage, yeah, yeah. and you do uh, also the Friday release valve, which is yeah. one of my favorite. You do uh, you have a panel. oh, thank you. You have a panel yeah. of comedians that it's sort of like uh, where you just 
it's if nobody's ever heard it, it's it's the Friday release valve, and it's just basically just a panel of comedians. See, he likes it too, and um and just kind of go through the wacky headlines of the week. And if if you like that kind of panel, you know, aspect of of like listening to comedians just make fun of stuff, it's it's right up your alley. Yeah, it's it's it is explicitly designed for people driving home from work on a Friday who are just done thinking. Because I I do pretty thinky stuff the rest of the week. Like I do author interviews and I read The Economist and I I write about stuff that involves ism uh, and and then talk to experts (laughs) and things. And and so it's pretty substantive, right? So by the time Friday rolls around, I'm like, I really just want to talk to another degenerate comedian friend about why a guy in Florida robbed a taco truck naked with a sword. And and we'll just, we'll we'll get into that. So it's very much like very, very light. And I kind of, for my own sanity, I wanted to have different podcasts that just weren't political so that when it gets, because it does get horrible. And, uh, and, and so I, I wanted to do that. And yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out what to do with Friday release file because it, uh, I during the pandemic, I kind of bit off more than I could. I shouldn't say I bit off more than I could chew. While living alone during lockdown, I basically filled my time by creating new podcasts. Yeah. And now that I have friends again and I can leave my house and eat tacos in public, I'm going. Mm, I've got to figure out how yeah. to how to balance this stuff. Well, if you need right. a couple of comedians to come on, I mean, I'm just saying, me and me and sure. Jacob are professional comedians. So we'll, we'd love to be on there. I'll hit you up. And oh yeah, man. One thing I, just, I, I have a. I have a question, Jason. Shut yeah. your filthy whole Sorry, mouth. Man. You shut up. Uh, <laughs> I have a question that kind of is related to politics and a little bit Friday release valve. Okay. Uh, recently, Kid Rock appeared on Tucker Carlson tonight, uh-huh. expressing interest in running for president in 2024. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I want to know how you would feel being under the regime of President Kid Rock. Yeah, yeah, that's a great question, Jacob. So I have maintained for the last seven years that we are living in a sitcom. (laughs) We're like, you know, you've heard of like simulation theory. Uh, You know, like Elon Musk is a thing about that. Uh, And like, I, I think somewhere around 2016, when we elected a former game show host as president, uh, that, that somehow the, the, the universe uh, split. And like right now, President John Huntsman is like actively <laughs> talking to his vice president about how to get corporate tax rates at the right level. Like that's what's happening in the real universe. In our universe, we keep doing all the, like that's, I literally thought 2020 was going to be election between Trump and Marianne Williamson. Because I was like, Oprah's psychic versus game show host seems like it would be a great episode. Uh, and I just try to figure out who's the star of the sitcom. I'm pretty sure it's not me. I think I am very opposed to what I want back at being a background extra. I think that's what I am in the universe. Is I'm just, <laughs> once again, a dude walking around getting screamed at. So I, I don't know who the focus point is. Maybe it's that Zelensky guy. Maybe this is all just like, Background yes. to Ukraine. That, that might be maybe he doesn't realize he's actually in a dark comedy. Well, I have a theory that when they turned on CERN, uh, that they ripped a hole in the universe, mm. and a lot of us were sucked into an alt this alternate reality yeah. that has split off from the main timeline. Like at least half of us have, especially yeah. all of us that sort of like you know, like like the Mandela effect, like those of us who remember the Berenstein Bears, yeah. we're the ones that got sucked into this weird alternate universe. Oh, I, no. I think that's entirely possible. Like like when they activated CERN, if I'm not mistaken, I think that was during the Obama years. Yeah, like, it was like 2012, I think, somewhere around there. Right, okay, so right around that time, if you'll remember, 
an Icelandic volcano went off so that you couldn't fly anywhere in Europe for like two weeks. And also the president was fighting pirates in Madagascar, right. like Somalia, right? Like, I remember reading the headlines being like, wait a minute, wait a minute. We can't fly planes because of a volcano and our president's fighting pirates. That might have been that might have been the split point because that did not seem like something I should be reading in the 21st century. Yeah. So I, Look, I, I just want to ask you, how do you keep your your cool? Because doing political stuff like, hmm. you know, like the, the, the political orphanage, how do you keep that, you know, like objective uh, that thing you have to where it makes me calm? Because I hear stuff and I'm like, oh my God, the world is ending. Yeah, yeah. Like, do you, do you know who's a really, a really fun example of that? If you go back about two years before he, before he killed himself, John McAfee came on. And like, I was so calm with John McAfee that it threw him off. Because uh, like, John McAfee was in a Faraday cage and would not reveal to me mm. where he was living. Uh, and like, would go, like, like John McAfee would talk like I imagine a James Bond villain would while addressing an underwater dome over a sound system. Like, like, you know, you have to free yourself from the prison of your mind. And he'd like do that and get real intense. Then I'd go, okay, how do you feel about tariffs? Do you want them higher or lower? Like, and, and like eventually he just started laughing because he couldn't, he couldn't get me to flinch. Um, I, so I, I think it, it helps a couple of things, Jason, in answer to your question. I have worked in partisan media in the past, and I really didn't like it. Uh, I, I don't like being in a partisan position. I think that, um, broadly speaking, people in media are either acting as explorers or they're acting as attorneys. Uh, and I view myself as an explorer. So it's, it's, I, I have opinions. I don't claim to be objective, nor do I claim to be carte blanche. I, I definitely have my own ideological and temperamental bearings. But it's my job to, to kind of um, put on an old-timey Victorian diving outfit uh, and like plunk into the waters and find interesting stuff and go, hey, guys, I found a shark. That's what I'm doing. Um, it's not my job to, to be a gladiator, which is, I think, what most people in political media are doing, where it doesn't actually matter whether my team is right or wrong or whether they've got a good solution. It's just my job to fight the other team. Um, so I don't like doing that. Uh, and I, I think it kind of helps that just the way I'm wired and I think that this is a huge, huge downside for me, both personally and career-wise. Uh, when I find somebody that I don't like or kind of bristles, bristles me, my inclination is to figure out how they got to that weird position yeah. and, and to figure out, like, surely we've got something in common. There's got to be some common ground where if aliens landed, I could turn and go, hey, we both agree about Walmart. We both get guns and shoot the aliens. So that's kind of, that's what I end up doing is trying to figure out where's the middle ground here. And then the other thing that really helps is like, uh, because I don't view myself as a gladiator, I view myself as an explorer. Um, it, it's very easy for me to go, wow, you have a very odd position. Like, how did you get there? Like, I think that that's a horrible idea, but like, clearly you've thought about this. How, how did you arrive at that conclusion? Because I am really interested in how people think. Like, I, I do find it just fascinating how conservatives understand things, how, how progressives understand things, how libertarians understand things. Because um, when, you, when you get into it, you're like, oh, okay. I, I just Usually it's like, I disagree with your variables, but your logic actually kind of makes sense. Your equation makes sense. And, like, and I want to figure out what that equation is. Hey, Jacob. Yeah? We got to tell the listeners about Burez Coffee Company. Oh, their coffee for gamers by game. That's them. 100% free trade Colombian coffee brewed right here 
on the Gulf Coast in Pensacola, Florida. You know, that sounds perfect for all night gaming sessions, no matter what kind of gamer you are. Video games, tabletop, card games, B-Res has what you need to keep sharp. They got all kinds of flavors to choose from, like good for gaming light roast, or my favorite, the Necro Medium. You know, I like a good dark roast, like Critical Gaming Dark. You can even add flavors to your coffee, like iCast Fireball, which is a fireball whiskey flavor. Yeah, and if you can't decide what you want, then just try out their specialty sample pack. Look, whatever your coffee of choice is, they've got you covered. Head on over to brezcoffeeco.com and use the code OMPODCAST at checkout for 10% off of your order. Well, let me ask you a question since you've been in that, you know, that TV area. Um when it comes to people like Tucker Carlson, uh, Sean Hannity, um, uh, what's, Rock. what's the white-haired guy on CNN? Uh, uh, Anderson Cooper. Anderson Cooper. Like people yeah. that are so far right or so far left, do they believe half the shit that comes out of their mouth, or is it just for money? Hmm. Um. So I'm not gonna. I I've met Tucker Carlson a couple of times, uh, but I don't really have a good grip on where he's at. Nor uh, same with Sean Hannity. I met him in an elevator once. We got along okay for the the length of the ride. So I don't want to target anybody specifically here because I don't know them very well. Uh, I would say it's a mixed bag. Is the short answer. There are people that really believe what they say. There are also a lot of people that it's. I don't think it's that they sit down and go. I really don't believe this stuff. It's more like. They go, uh, what is my base belief? Okay, I believe that now. Uh, and and they're, they're being led around by, by whoever, um, whoever they're trying to get uh, clapping and, and money from. Uh, I, I think that a better way of understanding, a better way of understanding most people in political media is not so much that they are like lying grifters. I, I think that has a little bit of a, an edge to it. It's more like, just keep in mind that if any one of them, if any one of them were approached by, um, Universal Studios, and they're like, you want to quit doing this and be a movie star? All of them would immediately drop whatever they're doing oh, yeah. being a movie star. All of them. Well, see, that, uh, that's why it brings me to that question, because I, cause I, I think that the, everything they do is to get people riled up, and riled up yeah. people make you money. Yes, through advertisement. That's, that's, that's exactly that's again how, why I rent rather than own a home. Yeah, I don't like <laughs> people up. I, so no, that's maybe we great, should start great. ranting, Jacob. Let's start yeah. you know, like doing some major political if, if, rants. If you if you rape, if you <laughs> oh, yeah. rename your show tirades against fill in whatever group you hate, Laplanders or something, you'll you'll definitely get more money. Right. You'll get more attention. Um, no, you 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 bring up a really good question, a really good point, uh, Jason. And I, I I have I have two two things for people to kind of think about in regards to that. Um, the first one is. At the end of the day, everybody in media is selling something. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't have other goals and things going on. I, I view myself as a very earnest, uh, hardworking guy. But to some extent, I am selling people things on my show. Now, in my mind, what I'm selling is humor and f- feeling more aware and smart of the situation, right? So I'm, smelling, I'm selling smartness and humor. Um, but for a lot of people, and I, this is something that I wish more pundits would seriously ask themselves, what am I selling? Because a lot of people are selling fear and hatred. And I yeah. will not do that with my life. I will not make my, my livelihood dependent on selling people hate and fear. And I think that it is a, a, an unethical and, and debased thing to do with your brief existence on this planet. Do you think and it'll you ever change? To, uh, I think it's all structural. Um, so I, I think that it will either require the consumers to get sick of it, or it will require a, a difference in the media. 
Um, so for example, like having worked in television, I can tell you there are a lot of people in television um, at, at, at Fox, for example, who are very intelligent, good people. Uh, and they are very constricted by the medium that they're working in. So like I podcast, right? So if I bring on John McWhorter or somebody, uh, we can have a good hour, hour, 20 minute conversation, at least 45 minutes. We can really let stuff breathe. I can go, now you said this, I want to make sure I understand this. Do you, is this what you mean? No, that's interesting. I think this, right? We can really uh, kind of draw that out and, and let everybody dive into it. With television, you're, you're operating in five to eight minute intervals that are broken up by commercial breaks. You have X amount of people on camera. So like I've, I've done TV hits occasionally, and you're basically just shouting bumper stickers at each other. If yeah. I do an eight minute TV hit with four people, mathematically, I'm going to get around two minutes to talk. And so if they're like, hey, how do you think we should solve um, Israel versus Palestine? I'm like, oh, 120 seconds, I can solve this issue. Uh, it, th that becomes an issue. And then I think the other thing too you're saying is that um, like Twitter is an even more bifurcated version of that. Uh, Twitter, you're not I'm, not, I'm not talking to Jacob on Twitter. I'm really just talking at Jacob for the benefit of my supporters, right? Um, right. So those things change. But before I lose sight of it, I, I do think, um, I mean, I'm gonna coin the heat and partisan hack test so if any of your listeners are on the Nobel or Pulitzer Prize Committee, uh, the Heaton partisan hack test is this. Take, take anybody you want. It could be Tucker. It could be Sean Hannity. Uh, it could be Anderson Cooper. Pick anybody and, and ask yourself if they were a partisan hack and their goal was just to make money and get, get listeners and viewers by riling up the base, demonizing the enemy, and selling hate and fear. If that were their goal, what would they be doing differently than what they're currently doing? So like in my case, mm. you're like, oh, if, if that's what Heaton were doing, he'd be talking about much more controversial topics. He'd be like, he'd be hating on various people much more. He, he, he would have an echo. To, like I can point to all sorts of ways that I would be making more money if I were a partisan hack. But if you, if you find somebody and you go, I don't know what they would do differently if they were a partisan hack pretty good chance they're a partisan hack. And I, I leave that to you and your, your viewers to, to determine where their mileage is in terms of that calibration. See, I picture somebody like Tucker Carlson, you know, when he, when he takes off the microphone and he gets in his car, like, you know, he listens to like, you know, like black metal on the way home. And then he gets home and then he fixes himself like a glass of wine and he watches like RuPaul's Drag Race for the rest of the night. Like that's, you know, that's what he does in his off. Like he's a layered guy. But yeah. the guy you see on Fox is like, I can't handle this dude. <laughs> I could not, well, I would I, not want to be I, in a room with him. I, you know what? I can give you a little bit of insight on Tucker because I, I interviewed him bef bef before. I interviewed him when he was capital T Tucker, not when he was all caps Tucker. So I, I, I interviewed him after he had been on CNN and he'd, he'd, he'd had the whole flame out with Jon Stewart. But before he became like the biggest guy at Fox, right? So I, I met him during that interregnum, and I, I, I did just like an interview with, with a DC outlet. We, we talked stuff. After the interview, um, we're wrapping up. Uh, I went, can I, can I ask you something? And I, I don't mean this offensively. I'm not trying to rile you up, but like a ton of people hate you. Like, how do you deal with that? Because like literally millions of people following the Jon Stewart thing hated Tucker Carlson and, and even more hate him now. And he very earnestly, he went, you're going into political satire, right? And I went, yeah. And he goes, okay, I only care about what my family, my friends, and my coworkers think. I do not care what anybody else thinks. And if you do, you are going to be just an imploded shell of a man. And I highly advise you not to do that. Uh, I think 
Tucker probably should expand that circle a bit more. I think I should probably contract my circle a bit more. I think I, I should have a slightly thicker skin. But I think that's to some extent what's going through his head is he is really not at all bothered what I don't the know New if Yorker I should, thinks about him. I don't know if I should commend that or, or I don't know, feel sorry for him. I don't know. It's a kind of, it's a thin line there. Yeah. Well, uh, go ahead, Jake. Yeah. I think you were going to say something. No, I was going to say, in any case, uh, we promised you that we would get you out of here at the top of the hour. Oh, is it seven Badly. already? Damn. It's already Damn. that time, Jason. Well, tell you what, how, about I, how about I do this? I can give you guys, uh, I'm about to hop on family game night, so I, I, I can't be more than a three or four minutes late, but if you've got like a closing question or something, I can, I can pop um, off at you. Ooh. You got anything Shoot for it, him, Because I've been, uh, been hogging him the whole time, and I'm sorry. No, please, please. <laughs> I, I understand that you're a super fan. Ask him one last question. Oh, gosh. What, what else do I, what do I want to say real quick? Uh, I, I don't know if I have a question, but I just want to say I really admire the work that you're doing. Um, I'm going to try my best to, like, you know, try to get people to listen, especially people that are close to me in my life that have fallen towards the, you know, the, the extreme right. <laughs> like, I have, you know, like, uh, I have people in my life that try to, to bait me with texts and sending me yeah. memes and like stuff like that. And I just ignore it. Yeah. And I don't like, there's people like people close to me, like, you know, siblings and stuff like that. Yeah, so yeah. I'm going to try to push them in your direction. So they no, can thank kinda, you. I, I, yeah. I truly, I really do appreciate that. Cause I, I have to say like, uh, it's, it's, I'll, I'll go on other shows periodically, like where, that like the, the other host will have a private jet and like a golden toilet <laughs> and all these things. And then like, I come back to my cardboard box and get out my little microphone and talk about loving each other and do it. So, so that is, that is really, really kind of you to say, I appreciate that. And, and then it, it reminds me that I, what I ought to do is I ought to make like a, I ought to make like a web address of like, uh, like slash get along or something. Cause I've had a bunch of episodes that are a really good entree for people of any political persuasion. So like, I interviewed Jonathan Haidt, who's a great guy and a brilliant thinker who came up with moral foundations theory. Um, if you're not familiar with it, basically he posits that we all have six moral foundations that are almost like taste buds that react to things like uh, people react to pestilence or they react to injustice or to tyranny. And depending on where you're at politically, you have some taste buds that are very active and some that aren't. So like conservatives tend to kind of have all of them and they're, a little, they're, they're more even. Uh, progressives tend to be really bothered by suffering and injustice, but not so bothered by the other ones. And libertarians just care about tyranny, could not give less of a crap about anything else. Right. But it, but it also like once, once you get that, you kind of understand it. Like when you're talking, like if I'm talking to a conservative, I, I don't have a gag reflex. I've taken his, his test multiple times. I have no gag reflex. I'm actually pretty low on loyalty, like to group loyalty. Like I don't like, I'm like, I don't know. I used to live in Scotland. I don't have yeah. much in common with Wyoming. I don't like, I have right. more in common with my friend Hepburn than I do with some guy from Louisiana. So like I, I'm pretty low, but I get that like when, when Republicans see like somebody like the president salute with a coffee cup, they're not faking it. They really are truly offended by that. Like, and I think once you understand um, that and same for the progressives, that like when the progressives like really flip out because they see suffering like they are viscerally feeling that and, and it's not an act they're putting on. So, and then, and then another great one is like, uh, I did an episode with Peter Bogosian who wrote a, a book called how to have impossible conversations. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, Peter's also a great guy and, and is really good at being able to, to lay out strategies to talk to people. Um, I have sucked those into my life. Like I, instead of saying, 
instead of saying what I what I might have used to have done, which is uh go fuck yourself. I, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> like like I've I've trained myself to go. That's interesting. How did like t- like I think I'm missing something. Tell me how you got there. Uh, and I find it really helps. Um, and then um, also a really really good one uh, that that I'd, I'd recommend. I'd love it if you checked out my show and listened to the episode of it. But if not, check out uh, him in general. Arthur Brooks wrote a book um, called uh, um, "Love Your Enemies," I think. And I, I brought him on the podcast. He made a very big impact on me. Uh, and and I can I can say I've now lived his observation, which is that contempt is just a useless counterproductive emotion. Uh, yes. it, it's one thing if Jacob and I are angry at each other and we feel very passionate, like Jacob's really in favor of raising the corporate tax rate to 19%, but I think we should drop it to 12%. We're just fighting like cats. That's okay. Passion's all right. Anger's all right. Contempt is when I go, Jacob's a piece of shit. He is just beneath my, he's (laughs) irredeemable. And and Jacob Jacob turns around and goes, that guy wants a 15% corporate tax rate because he's a bigot, right? Like when we do that, that's when people shut off. That's that's what the world's turned into, and it's. I I don't know if we have a way to backslide from that. And well, that's why we should vote for President Kid Rock. Kid Rock, yeah. (laughs) I'll give I'll give you I'll give you two two tips that 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 help me a lot. So whenever I'm talking to my conservative friends and they're they're ragging on progressives, or I'm talking to my progressive friends and they're ragging on my conservatives, I either think of my friends that are in whatever group they're talking about, or I I just like a really helpful tool everybody can use whenever you're discussing the team you don't like. And there's definitely a team that either irritates you or scares you, right? Whenever you're thinking of that team, think about them and talk about the top 10 smartest, kindest percent of that team. Because I think a lot of the time we get in the habit of viewing the very bottom as emblematic. And like when you look at the Republican and Democratic parties, any organization that big has a lot of shitheads in it. And so like (laughs) if if you're going to use that as the emblem, like, I don't know, like when I, when I think of conservatives, I think of like, all right, like I, I have family members that I think are really decent people that voted for Trump. I disagree with them, but I know they're good people. Uh, my, my progressive friends that love Bernie Sanders want to try and solve poverty by, by having the government run accordion factories or whatever weird thing he's up to. I'm like, all right, I know that this is batshit crazy, but at the same time, I know that these are good and kind people, right? So I, I feel like a lot of that just involves us having a little bit more grace and, and a, a, a I just giving the benefit of the doubt. I, I think that's a strong thing of like, I just, anybody I interact with, I assume that you're a decent human being until you prove it otherwise. I, I never go in and go, oh, you voted for so-and-so. I believe I can psychically entune your motivation and that you're lying to my face. And that like, if I pull the mask off, you're a bigot or a communist. I don't, I don't do that. I just, I take people that you're probably trying to help folks and we have different ways to do it. And we need to figure out where we disagree and we need to be open that maybe, maybe we're wrong. I, I've been wrong about all sorts of stuff in the past. I assume I'm wrong now. So I'm going to talk to you about this, but I'm going to hope that you approach me in kind. Well, Andrew, right. it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. I, need, I know we need to get you out of here. Um, just real quick, tell everybody uh, once again where they can find you and uh, your, your, your podcast that yeah. they can listen to. So uh, if you'd like the syrupy, drippy, let's all love each other stuff and the the smart authors I mentioned, go check out The Political Orphanage. It is a podcast explicitly designed for people that are tired of this red team versus blue team fight. Everybody that listens to the show is friends with somebody they disagree with. That's the, the singular commonality. I think my show is probably the only one in political media where the, the, the majority of the people listening to it don't agree with me, but they really like me. You don't find that phenomenon very frequently on other shows. So The Political Orphanage is where I'll send you. Uh, if you if you're like that guy was really funny, but I didn't care anything about the political stuff. 
Go check out Friday Release Valve. I also have a new podcast out. It's called Losers, Pretenders, and Scoundrels, which mm-hmm. is a funny history program. I bring on uh, my best friend who's also a comedian. One of us will pick a historical figure. The other one will talk to him about it. And it's just kind of a fun show. Uh, and if you're like, that guy's really funny, but I hate the sound of his voice, then buy one of my books. I've got Inappropriately Human 21 Short Stories, and I've also got uh, Los Angeles is Hideous. Uh, you can put both those on your coffee table. People will be impressed with you. They'll, they'll have sex with you on the coffee table, unbidden. Uh, they'll be so impressed. So, so all of those things. And he has read excerpts from each of those books on the Political Orphanage. So if you go back into the archives, you can listen to those episodes. And uh, like I said, go check out the books. Go check out the podcast. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us on the show here. And for the rest of you out there, go check us out at Open Micers on Twitter, Instagram, Open Micers Podcast on Facebook. Uh, OpenMicers.com takes you straight to our Patreon where you can give us at least a buck a month. Keep the show going. And uh, you can follow us both individually at JFuntastic and at Jacob C. Craig. And we will see you guys next week.